You are listening to a Mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast. Hi, I'm Abhinav Kaul and welcome to this edition of Mint Guru Portfolio. Today we have with us Jitain Parmar, the co-founder of Aurum Capital, a SEBI-registered research analyst firm. In this Guru Portfolio series, Parmar will talk about his financial journey, how he started Aurum Capital, and his transformation from a software engineer to an investor. Let's listen in. Hi. Welcome to Why Not Mint Money, a personal finance podcast where we help you understand basic money concepts and share strategies for you to build your wealth. So let's get started on your money journey. Welcome to Guru Portfolio Series. Thank you for talking to us. Yeah, thanks Abhinav. Uh, it's a pleasure to be uh, doing this interview with you. So can we begin, uh, how did your financial journey began into uh, the stock markets? So. Before I say this, you know, I am a software engineer by qualification. So I was in the US uh, in the early 90s and my financial journey began in the US. Uh, 1993 is when I first invested in uh, in a stock and uh, that stock was actually Microsoft. So, uh, so basically uh, over the next few years, I invested in tech companies only. Though, you know, the power of equity was uh, kind of well known to me because my father has been an IPO investor since 1970 and I have uh, seen you know what uh, kind of returns and wealth uh, can be generated through equity so that sensitization was there uh, for me uh, though my father was just purely IPO investor uh, if you can uh, share some insights how uh, or in which companies your father invested at that point of time. So uh, companies like HUL, uh, you know, Tisco, or it was called Tata Steel at that time. Uh, uh, so he's got shares of Trend and so on. So he's got a whole lot of companies, uh, Grassim and so on. Uh, just a few I remember. Uh, I have uh, memories of that quite clearly in my head. And, and what were the returns like in those days? Uh, see, the IPOs were at always at par. So a company like HUL also had to come at 10 rupees. Uh, right. So uh, the returns were humongous. I mean, uh, my fa- for my father, whenever he needed to do a big expense, he invested only 500 rupees in HUL. And uh, he's already taken out lakhs and lakhs of rupees from that investment and still has some uh, of those HUL. Whenever he needed, uh, whenever there was an event in his life where he needed some this thing, uh, you know, companies like HUL and uh, others which he had in IPO, uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, basically helped him uh, do those expenses uh, without taking anything out from his business. Uh, so you invested in first IPO, in your first IPO in 1993? No, 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 no. It was uh, buying from the market. Microsoft is the company I, uh, that was my first stock, obviously small quantity. I was a software engineer in US, uh, so from my savings in the salary, I started buying some uh, tech stocks. I mean, obviously, I did not know uh, financials that time. The only thing I know, knew was technology, but uh, uh, all these things, uh, you know, how to look at financial statements, all that, I was completely unaware. And uh, it was more of, you know, basically investing, looking at products and so on. So so I, I did invest in the US markets for 10 years. Uh, my journey was fairly okay. I mean, not not that great also, but uh, real journey started uh, after I came back to India. I came back to India in 99 uh, for a few years. I just kind of, you know, basically uh, 
decided uh, you know that i want to become an investor so i did a lot of reading up and so on in 2003 is when i actually serious investing i started okay uh, and when you came back to india in 1999 uh, you came back as a software engineer as in were working as software engineer in india also then? no so i had a company in the us actually uh, i was co-founder of a company in us uh, we started that company in 1995 and uh, just before the dot com bust we were able to sell it to a nasdaq listed company we got a great exit in life uh, and basically i became financially independent uh, just uh, you know uh, with with that particular exit of the software company we had and okay. post that i returned to india so uh, yes uh, uh, that was the journey my software journey and i wanted to do something different post that so uh, i mean I also invested into a lot of real estate and uh, started learning investing, and uh, eventually, you know, uh, I found my passion was in. You know, of course, IT was there, but IT was too stressful. Uh, but I found my passion in equity investing. So, what was the name of the company that you founded? Yeah, it was called Aquas Inc. And uh, were you the co-founder or the sole yes. founder? Yes. No, no, co-founder. We were four partners in that. Yeah. and uh, then you started investing in india uh, if you can take us through the journey oh yes so again another long journey so after returning back to india i started investing first into real estate because uh, i had got a good payout and i wanted to you know start with some monthly earning kind of you know stuff so i invested into real estate which were yield uh, generating uh, so it it would be like atms and uh, office spaces which were leased out to Uh, different companies so that's how i started investing in real estate uh, and uh, simultaneously i mean that's obviously not a full time job so obviously uh, i wanted to invest in equity uh, so you know opportunity i had to basically you know uh, learn from the basics so that's when i you know started learning because i am not qualified uh, you know uh, uh, i am qualified uh, to read financials i am a software engineer so i learned uh, in the next 2 3 years you know i think 2001 to 2003 is when i started learning and looking at balance sheets and uh, pnl and you know the nitty gritties of uh, uh, you know basically the financials uh, so I, i i kind of had the passion so i could learn uh, so the and 2003 is when i started seriously investing uh, in the equity markets of course my real estate journey was also going on parallelly uh, eventually we became developers and we have done uh, quite a few projects in the pune area and uh, we still are doing some projects uh, of course we don't do uh, you know a lot of projects we do one project at a time kind of stuff so yes that journey is still on uh, but uh, again uh, in the sense that it is uh, limited to just one project at a time And what is the na- uh, venture name of the re- real estate project? Yeah, Alpine. Alpine Homes is our uh, brand name. Okay. And uh, uh, so we have done uh, in the PCMC area. I don't know if you are aware of that uh, Pune Chinchwad uh, area. There we have done a few projects already. Okay. okay. So you said in in 1999, after selling off your company, you were financially mm-hmm. independent. Yes. Uh, Uh, what was the age your age at that point of time i was 30 uh, 
I was 13. At 30. And and what was the driving factor that you still wanted uh, to invest in money and invest in uh, invest in stock markets, invest in real estate? What was the driving factor? I mean, obviously, once you once you uh, you know have certain distinct, you would want to grow your money, right? And uh, uh, somehow, you know, uh, cycles have kind of worked for me. Uh, so I could get into the real estate cycle also at a good time. And uh, so all these properties I talked to you about, the rental properties and all that, they were quite, you know, when I invested, they were quite cheap uh, and uh, uh, available at very good yields. Uh, 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 and uh, in the next few years, you know, a lot of the this property prices also multiplied and so on. Uh, so what what attracted me, as I told you, you know, equity always fascinated me because I'd seen what it, what it had done to my father, who was a very small uh, investor, but uh, you know the kind of returns he made in those IPOs is something. So that that attraction was always there, and uh, uh, you know, life provided me the opportunity to go after my passion. Uh, I, since I had sold the company, so I kind of. Uh, had a sort of a clean slate, you know, I could start something in IT or I do something else. I decided to do something else uh, and followed my passion. Would it be possible to share the financial details of the company that you sold? No, so, uh, I mean, uh, there's a 10K in the US. I don't know whether it is still there or not, but that was there. It is, uh, this company was sold for about $10 million at that time. So coming to 2003, uh, that's when you said the serious investing started happening. Uh, sure. So what was the strategy you firmed up to pick up the stocks and what were the initial stocks in 2003 that you picked up? So again, uh, for me to talk about Indian stocks, individual names will be very difficult. But then uh, some of the stocks I invested during that time, I still have those you know, uh, stocks. Uh, for example, one company I invested in 2004, it's a chemical company. I invested at eight rupees uh, in that share, particular uh, share, adjusted for the split. Uh, I mean, it was forty rupees then paid up. It is now two rupees paid. So eight rupees is my cost, and uh, I'm still holding that stock over since the last eighteen years. Uh, it's become a great story for me. You know, the current price is thirty-two hundred. So humongous returns, uh, and that is my largest position I have. So, uh, apart from that, you know, one very large company, which eventually, you know, uh, there was spin-offs and all that, that I'm holding from 2005. Uh, so, uh, quite a few stocks I'm holding from very long time. Uh, but then, again, it is always uh, based on, uh, you know, periodical reviews where I will, uh, you know, see the valuations. Uh, of course, I do give leverage, you know, in the sense that, you know, I will sell them only when I feel that they are super expensive because the kind of returns they have given to me, uh, you, you do want to keep them running. So, so essentially, a lot of long-term investing has happened. And over the period, I also, you know, started, uh, you know, since cycles have been kind to me, I could get out of my company before the dot-com crash. I could get into, you know, uh, real estate before, uh, before the great uh, real estate boom came in. So, uh, uh, you know, I started looking at, you know, cyclical investing also, which is nothing but value investing. So value investing is something which I kind of focused on right from the start. Uh, and so cyclical investing is, is a particular stream in value investing, which I kind of focused and, you know, basically 
learned and uh, done doing mistakes and uh, which has worked for me over the years and uh, that is something which uh, a lot of people associate me for uh, you know cyclical university coming to um, aurum capital what motivated you to start your own firm yeah so again uh, as i had told you, you know, i i kind of became financially independent at a very, very early age and uh, over the years i have been able to you know grow my health uh, enough uh, i mean in a decent manner uh, and i was always you know i I kind of always had this, you know. I used to share right from when I was in college and uh, when I was in the U.S. and all. That. I kind of, you know, uh, always believed in sharing uh, what I learn and so. So I used to write on, you know, Google groups during. I think this is uh, 2005 onwards. I used to write a lot on. Uh, there were Google groups uh, talking about investing and so on. So uh, I I used to write in those uh, forums. Uh, uh, there were other forums like value picker i used to write there uh, i used to write you know share on twitter and so on uh, so kind of you know basically uh, fa- fairly uh, good network i have developed a lot of friends when well wishers followers over the years uh, the idea of starting of uh, aurum capital actually came from friends and well wishers that you know they said that uh you must start something uh, they kind of have benefited from their advice and so on and and which year was it founded 2018 so another good thing is you know i want i didn't want to do it all alone so i also found a very good partner uh, who kind of you know shared the same uh, you know beliefs and uh, uh, and uh, who is also excellent you know uh, Uh, researcher uh, in stocks so so it kind of you know uh, uh, worked out well yeah. uh, and what is the current aum that you manage yeah so again uh, we are operating under a research analysis license okay so we 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 directly do not manage funds okay we provide research and we have a fairly sizable clientele uh, our clients do their own allocations uh, Uh, okay. Of course, we do have plans to go for uh, PMS or AI license in the very near future. Okay. Are you, so, have you applied for it, or are you waiting? No, to... no. We we are we are planning to soon. Okay. Uh, so, by the end of this financial year? Hopefully, yes. Have any schemes or? Yeah. So we have two products right now. Uh, so our website, which is orumcapital.in, okay, uh, that has one. Uh, Uh, strategy which is there uh, now for just little over more than four years, which is called the Value Investing Research Services. So basically, it's a twenty stock, uh, you know, uh, strategy uh, where obviously allocation is to be decided by uh, the subscriber, but a uh, lot of our subscribers will give an equal weightage of five percent to each and then invest. Uh, so that is one strategy which is there for four years, basically. purely value investing now value investing uh, the themes we follow within that is basically uh, grow stocks at uh, reasonable value or you know or it could be cyclical uh, stocks or it could be special situations uh, so all these are uh, basically part of that particular strategy and uh, so that is one strategy that is there on small scale also since uh, last more than one year 
apart from that we have uh, a product called cyclical bats small case uh, which is exclusively on small case uh, this product is there for last little more than 18 months now uh, and is one of the best performing products uh, and basically focuses on uh, business cycle turnarounds uh, so this particular product has almost given 100% return in the last uh, 18 months uh, so these are the two uh, products we have if you can throw some light on uh, cyclical themes right now that you think are going to work for the next 5 to 5 to 10 years what would be your picks so again i always say that you know uh, for uh, cyclicals uh, one should not have a very long uh, view 5 to 10 okay. years uh, obviously uh, uh, you know, you might stay in a cycle for five years, it depends, but uh, uh, you need to be nimble enough to, you know, get out when you think uh, things are changing or when, uh, you know, basically uh, there is irrational exuberance uh, in a particular cycle and so on. So, mm -hmm. uh, I, I can talk about specific examples. Let's say, you know, you look at steel companies, you know, uh, uh, the cycle was down for quite a few years, I think 2016 is when it changed. Uh, and then it again went in downturn. Then uh, 2020 post COVID, it went again. You know what happened with the steel cycle, and uh, you know uh, uh, after peaking out again, it has corrected, uh, and so on. So this is what happens. Uh, this thing uh, there will be periods where for 10 years, you know, you will find uh, zero return from point to point. You know, for example, a Tata Steel. 200 rupees to 200 rupees in 10 years you will find those kind of periods so if you are unlucky and you know you enter at that point and wait for 10 years you make zero return so the key is to basically you know play these cycles uh, so there is a timing element to it and that's what we try to do is when you know uh, during this 200 to 200 journey it would have gone to 200 to 1000 and back to 200 kind of so you would want to capture that you know uh, that particular period where it has taken this journey from 200 to 1000. So you did not get it 200, but let's say something like you can get in at 300 and get out of 800 over over a period of two years. The outcome is very different uh, than, than what could be for long-term holding. I'm just trying to give an example here. Uh, that. Right. So uh, apart from that, you know, there will be, you know, uh, some uh, sectors where they, one can really actually have a long-term view. For example, you know, telecom is one sector where we uh, kind of expected a turnaround and in 2020 we went long on a telecom stock. Now, that particular uh, stock we are still holding and we believe that that is something which, which uh, it is highly po possible that we might hold for 5-10 years. So there could be, you know, some stories because just because there is barriers to entry and so on, there are just two and a half players left in the telecom cycle for somebody new to come in uh, market size is expanding and so on so mm -hmm. there you can take a longer view but uh, again it depends on cycle to cycle right any any uh, theme any cyclical theme that you think are not going to work from here on so again uh, i think in uh, for the last uh, i think three quarters or so we have been uh, negative on it uh, that is working out well. Uh, I mean, obviously we don't short, but then we have zero allocation to IT for the last almost a year now. Uh, so, Chitin, coming to your personal portfolio, how are you invested now? 
So I am majorly into equity. 85 to 90 percent of my net worth uh, would be in equity. Uh, that is uh, quite low for me. Uh, gold uh, only for you know consumption less than one percent, I would say. Uh, uh, but but that would be uh, personal consumption, right? Gold, yes, not yes, investment. Yes. So no, no. investment investment is zero te technically. Zero investment is zero. Yes. Okay. Uh, real estate, uh, I would have around you know seven to ten percent. Uh, over the years, you know, uh, I have also kind of, I talked about, you know, having these uh, uh, assets which were giving me rental yields and all that. Over a period, what has happened is that the yield has come down because the prices have gone up. So I have kind of, you know, basically uh, sold those real estate and moved a lot of it in, uh, into equity. So that's why my real estate uh, has also come down and it has worked for me because I think uh, the equity uh, portion has given me far higher return than what real estate would have given. So real estate technically is uh, uh, mostly commercial. Yeah, commercial, uh, some land, some flats. Yeah. And uh, alternative asset class? No, I don't invest in uh, alternative asset class. Zero. Okay. I understand. I see the thing is for me. Uh, so I can just come in on this. Uh, for me to, you know, for example, uh, See, I'm a software engineer, so I do understand blockchain, I understand how cryptocurrency works and so on, right. for example. But uh, the thing is for me to buy anything, I need to be able to value it. Uh, now, these particular things I am not able to value. So I kind of stay away from it. For me, the, the uh, you know, the reason why I'm not invested is very simple, that I can't value this, so I will not invest. So uh, in terms of performance and here we talk about over the years uh, we let's say 2003 you started in india uh, so how has your portfolio performed and how has your equity portfolio performed in cagr terms over the years uh, in a ballpark terms i think my equity portion would have generated at least 20 percent plus uh, cagr uh, for sure uh, uh, though i don't calculate to the T, but it is definitely upwards of 20% CAGR over the last, uh, let's say, 20 years. Okay, and uh, real estate? Real estate, I think max 10 to 15% CAGR. Okay, uh, and uh, debt, if you have an idea there? Debt, I don't have. I Though I have, you know, five years sustenance money uh, in debt. So that I will always keep. So, you know, uh, it might sound cliche, but uh, if stock market was to close for five years and I would still not get any dividend from my companies and all, uh, I still can survive for five years. That's Okay, so you're saying uh, for uh, you have an emergency fund for five years, right? Five years, yes, yes, yes. yes. Okay, okay, and that is in your uh, debt. And in which for, form of debt as in uh, any so particular instruments? It, it, it is in FD, some of it is in, you know, arbitrage funds, some in uh, arbitrage funds I consider debt only. Uh, some in uh, FDs and some directly into savings bank accounts. Uh, so, uh, I, I, I used to invest in that uh, that funds also and all that. But uh, you know, over the last few years, I've seen that you know uh, the returns are very low and there is a risk. So there is there is no point in taking that risk uh, with that funds. Though I I think with with the current uh, increasing rates and all that. I might shift some of these funds to, you know, debt funds. That, that I, so I do understand that also. But just because there was a lot of upheaval and the returns have come down drastically, uh, so I kind of uh, didn't want to, you know, 
uh, invest in them for example this you know uh, funds are giving only 4% or something 4.5% and post taxation it is not worth to invest in those uh, uh, that funds uh, uh, you arbitrage which is uh, you know will give you similar returns but at better taxation so that is a better option whereas you know there are a lot of banks which will give you 6% kind of interest rate uh, on on the deposit also so that actually probably actually works out better uh, than investing in a debt fund uh, in the last few years but if that changes i am willing to move to that okay uh, so uh, given the market conditions uh, do you plan to shift between market segments as in reduce equity increase equity or uh, same in the case of debt so i have a very interesting take on it i will not shift out of equity see i'll tell you uh, so for me as i said you know uh, i still have 5 years that is more of a emergency fund uh, for me dividends are far more the dividends i get every year are far more than what i can spend so for me that particular uh, you know sustenance care and all that is taken care of by dividends itself so in that sense i'm i don't want to you know uh, uh, basically take cash calls and so on with my equity what i do is uh, i will you know shift some of my portfolios to that like uh, instruments in equity in the sense that there are there are lot of companies which will give me you know 5% or 6% plus kind of sustainable yield uh, uh, and uh, where where i understand the business enough that i think that this will be sustainable uh, so it is in that sense giving me uh, you know uh, yield which is similar to what that would be or slightly better than that with mm-hmm. uh, you know with the power of you know equity behind it so classic example is you know i uh, last year year and a half uh, there is one company which i invested which was available at a 5% kind of yield Uh, huge underperformance over the years, uh, uh, and uh, this company now has given you know uh, this five percent dividend yield has actually come down because the price has gone up by sixty seventy percent. So uh, it it works out well. Also, you can get the equity kicker. Also, uh, this uh, so there are quite a few companies where which will give you five percent plus kind of. Yield. So I had I I position my portfolio accordingly uh, within equity. Uh, when I feel risk uh, is high, and and I move to some of this kind of uh, investing, uh, at least you know fifteen twenty percent of my portfolio to this. So that is my way of you know basically managing cash within equity. Okay, and and how are you placed in terms of market capitalizations in your equity portfolio? Let's say how much is uh, large cap, mid cap, and small cap? So I would say, I think. 70% would definitely be uh, you know uh, small and mid cap uh, 70 or maybe 75% okay. and then the rest would be large caps here and how much equity is in uh, international uh, stocks i mean you said no. you stopped investing or yes zero zero oh, right now it's zero zero yes okay so you uh, those microsoft uh, shares that you bought <laughs> yeah uh, that are sold obviously <laughs> sorry yeah. i had sold Oh, okay 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 uh, that time itself uh, during those 10 years somewhere down the line yeah, so uh, obviously i didn't make too much money on that investment to be honest uh, but then uh, i don't have any regrets there because for many many years uh, microsoft did nothing uh, mm-hmm. and i think in the last few years is when it has given 
this fantastic returns so uh, hold for so many years without you know any returns is also difficult it is all good to say in hindsight but it is it is not easy this particular chemical company i talked about also the one good thing why i was able to hold on is because it was constantly growing so that is the reason you you hold on to stock uh, you know uh, for i think for the first 10 years the returns were very very nominal uh, re-rating happened in you know i think post 2014 or something uh, when a complete re-rating happened i got majority of my returns post that uh, but for 10 years it gave me very average returns uh, but the the good thing was that the company was growing in so i kind of you know stayed with it uh, so that is how it works you know it's very very difficult to uh, you know your returns are never linear in equity uh, so over the years what would you say one strategy that worked for your portfolio and one strategy that did not i have seen that you know uh, staying within my circle of competence uh, you know doing value investing doing cyclical investing has worked on an aggregate level of course in cyclicals uh, you know maybe if i play 10 cycles maybe one or two cycles might not work but uh, over the years i have seen that at least eight cycles out of 10 which i play have worked for me uh, of course the returns uh, could be you know at variance to what you would have expected uh sometimes it is far higher than what you expected sometimes it is lower than what you expected but uh, uh going wrong is uh, not you know at the most two out of 10 so that is been my uh, uh, experience over the years so value investing has really really worked for me uh within that where where i had you know uh failures uh, or rather mistakes is whenever i have gone down the quality curve in uh, or you know invested in companies with questionable managements uh, or bad managements mm. uh, so uh, you know of course this used to happen in the earlier years far more uh, over the years you you know develop processes and all that uh, and with starting of foreign capital our processes strengthen so much that uh, fortunately we are we have in the last Four five years, we have not had any such kind of mistake. Of course, uh, you know uh, mistakes uh, where you know if if you, let's say you overpaid or something went wrong with the with the company uh, that can happen. But uh, as far as you know, error of commission due to bad management that is something which we have completely stopped. Uh, so so these are the you know basically things which have worked and. some of the things which did not work in the past uh, which we have tried to correct any any particular sector that you uh, bet on and that uh, didn't work out yes uh, i will give example of textiles uh, i think 2016 or 16 or something is when i invested it was in downturn and uh, 16 or 15 to be honest i don't remember the exact uh, year but somewhere around there and it did not work out for 4 uh, years consequently it worked but it took a very very long time 4 years is a very long time we do not want to invest in cycles where we have to wait for 4 years so that was i consider myself that that is a failure uh, though with uh, you know my investing what i do is um, i will only put my foot in the door whenever i am playing a cycle 
especially a contra cycle where you are buying at peak pessimism so i will just put my foot in the door so for example i will take a 1% position uh let's say in a stock uh, and when i see a turnaround because what happens is once you put the foot in the door you get you know acquainted to the surroundings so in that in, uh, in stock parlance you start following you know the the parameters which are uh, measurable uh, far more rigorously once you are invested so you look at demand supply far more rigorously you you look at you know uh, what is happening in the sector far more uh, closely and then you can sense uh, when you can sense that then now yes situation is turning around and that is when i will take it to let's say i want to take it to 5% or 6% that is when i will take it to. so this this is something which we have kind of you know evolved over the years and and, and in the cyclical bets small case uh, there what we do is we uh, we don't invest in uh, during peak pessimism we invest whenever the turnaround is visible so we are trying to cut down that time uh, mm -hmm. of waiting uh, for that uh, yes for that we might have to pay a bit higher because what price you let's say you were to buy a stock at uh, peak pessimism at 100 and let's say you generally if cycle plays out you will at least make uh, it will go to 300 or 250 you in in the cyclical bet small case uh, and for that let's say the period is let's say 3 years in cyclical bet small case uh, this journey will be from let's say 130 or 140 to 250 or 300 but the period will be year and a half or something like that so that's what we have tried to evolve in that particular strategy so we will we will enter uh, when the turnaround is visible or is on the cusp of turnaround. Uh, so now coming to some personal finance details, uh, how do you identify yourself as an investor? So I I am a value investor. So you can say you know hardcore value investor to be honest. Uh, so I I will you know let stocks good stories also go uh, you know have an error of omission. I don't mind having an error of omission. Uh, what I need to be satisfied is valuations. I should have, you know, uh, margin of safety and risk reward should be in favor. These are the two things which I look at whenever I make an investment. Uh, if I don't have a risk reward ratio of minimum one is to three, uh, I will very rarely invest in that particular uh, uh, story. Uh, and where I have margin of safety. So it should not be that, you know, uh, uh, that you know, I I lose 50% of the capital or make 150%. That is still, you know, risk reward of one is to three. But that 50% uh, erosion of capital uh, is uh, is quite high too. So I would look at you know, for me, 20% uh, risk of capital and 80% return is better than 50% uh, risk of capital and 150% uh, you know chance of uh, return. And uh, what does wealth mean to you? So wealth means that you know you should be able to follow your passion. Uh, so the see the two things I like to do or love to do is you know traveling and equity investing. Not in that order, I mean the other order, but yes. Uh, so I I'm fairly widely traveled. Uh, I mean I've stayed abroad uh, and I uh, I travel at least four to five times a year. Uh, so of course all this has been disrupted in the last couple of years uh, mm -hmm. due to covid uh, i did go to uk last year uh, but uh, so i like to travel and i like to uh, I don't know, 
uh, invest and uh, share my knowledge so i am able to you know for me wealth is something which lets me do all this uh, and lets me sleep well at night that is what is important and that's what wealth is that's it for for my side jitin uh, it was pleasure talking to you That's it for today. If you have any questions, you can write to us at mintmoney at the rate liveman dot com. If you want me to cover any specific topic, DM me at at the rate Abhinav Kaur at Twitter. To stay updated on this podcast, follow HT Smartcast on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and LinkedIn. To listen to more such podcasts, log on to HT Smartcast dot com or suno nae nazariye se. This was a Mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast. HD Smartcast.